Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Jar. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, you know, our mission here at The Jar is to love our community into a relationship with Jesus. And this year, we have some really cool outreach events planned to love, show God's love to right here in downtown Muncie, right in the heart of Muncie. So you're just going to have to wait to find out what those are. But for now, before we do anything, we want to just cover downtown Muncie in prayer. And so I want to invite you all to join us this Tuesday for a prayer walk. Um, we're going to meet right here at the Civic in the community room. We're going to have an awesome time of some worship. And then we're going to just divide up to different areas in downtown Muncie. And we're going to pray for the people who live and work and study there and just pray that God would move in a great way in their lives. So it's going to be a really awesome, powerful time of prayer. So I hope you guys will all come out this Tuesday um, at 630 and join us for that prayer walk. Let's go ahead and jump into the teaching. So several years ago, um, when my daughter was little, I was introduced to an organization called World Vision. Now, World Vision is a humanitarian aid organization. And one of the things they do is that they help people get connected with a child in another part of the world to sponsor them. And sponsoring them is uh, you help them out financially, but you're also kind of like pen pals with them and you can write letters back and forth and things like that. So since my husband and I had a daughter, we decided that we wanted to sponsor a little girl. And so over the past several years, we have had just a really fun time um, sending pictures and letters and different things back and forth with a little girl named Christavy. And I think we have a picture maybe of Christavy. There she is. Is she cute? And just as a side note, if you've never sponsored a child through World Vision, it is a really awesome experience, especially if you have kids. So I highly encourage you to check that out. Their website uh, is there in your notes, and it's just a really cool thing to be a part of. So I highly recommend that. Like I said, we have been sponsoring uh, Christy for a few years, and then when my son was born, we decided that we wanted to sponsor another child so that he could have somebody to um, write back and forth to. So we got back on World Vision's website, and we were looking up how to sponsor another child, and pretty soon we realized that World Vision had completely flipped the way that they did child sponsorship. So now, instead of you going on there and picking a child, the child picks you. And we thought, oh, that's, that's kind of a cool concept. So we all kind of huddled around on the couch and took a selfie of our family and wrote a little bit of information about ourselves. And we submitted that in. And then we just anxiously waited, you know, to find which kid was going to pick us, who was going to choose us. Well, about a week later, we got an email that we had been chosen by a little boy named Stephen. And I think we, yep, we have Stephen's picture there holding our picture of our family. And we were so excited and we were like looking at his pictures and reading all about Stephen. And um, it was just a really cool thing. And uh, later that night, I remember I was talking to my husband and I was like, why do you think Stephen chose us? You know, like, what was it about us? I mean, was it like, I mean, his name's Mikey. Do you think that's a, that's a cool name? He liked your name? Or do you think it was because we had kids? And I was like, or maybe it was because of our picture. I mean, we all were smiling at the exact same time, which is like a miracle in our family. And like, I was having a pretty good hair day, you know, maybe he just really liked his picture. I really wanted to know, like, why did he choose us? And we never really found out why he did. But it was just a really cool thing to have been chosen by Stephen. Have you ever been chosen for something before? Maybe somebody chose you to be the best man in their wedding. Or uh, maybe someone chose you to be the godmother uh, to their child. Or maybe you got chosen for a promotion of, at work. And have you ever thought, why me? You know, I mean, why, why, what was it about me that made them choose me? What did they see in me? 
Or maybe you weren't chosen. Maybe there was a school dance and no one invited you. Or maybe there was a promotion at work and you didn't get that promotion. Or maybe you didn't get a seat at the table or an invite to the party. And have you ever asked, why not me? You know, what, what was it about me that made them not choose me? And am I too loud? Am I too quiet? Am I too forward? Am I too backward? Am I too young, too old? Am, is my gender wrong? Do I have the wrong skin color? Is, is it something that I've done? In my past, why not me? And you know, I think we've all asked those questions at times. But today I want to talk about a more important question. And that is, who does God choose? What are his criteria? Who does he decide who is fit to follow him? And I think the answer might surprise you. So in order to do that, we're going to be looking at some of the unlikely people in the Bible that Jesus chose to follow him, the people that he chose to walk with and talk with and eat with and do ministry with, the people he invested his life with and chose to carry on his work. Now, Jesus was not your ordinary rabbi, okay, which is a Jewish teacher. There's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons was back in Jesus' time, if someone wanted to be a rabbi one day, what they would do is they would look around and they would find their favorite rabbi that they really liked, and they would choose them, and they would follow them, and they'd kind of imitate what they did and learn how they taught and how they did ministry and try to become like them one day. But Jesus did it completely the opposite. So instead of people choosing him as a rabbi, he went out, he sought them out, and he chose them. Now, one of the first people that he chose to follow was a guy named Simon. And Simon was not out there searching for a rabbi, okay? He was a fisherman, and he was happy doing his fisherman thing, just fishing all day, every day. He didn't have any interest in following a rabbi. But one day, he was just going about his business, and his brother Andrew came up to him. And Andrew was like, hey, Simon, listen, you know our friend John? Well, I just met his cousin, Jesus. And I think this guy is it. Like, I think this is the chosen one. This is this Messiah that we've been waiting for. And you need to come and meet him. So we read about this in uh, John chapter 1, in uh, verse 40. And it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard John's witness and followed Jesus. The first thing he did after finding where Jesus lived was to find his own brother, Simon, telling him, We found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he immediately led him to Jesus. So Andrew takes Simon, he says, come on, you've got to go meet this guy. I want you to meet Jesus. So he takes him to Jesus, and then Jesus meets Simon for the first time, and here's what happens next. Jesus took one look up at Simon and says, you're John's son, Simon. He said, no, from now on, your name is going to be Cephas, or Peter. So the first thing that Jesus does when he meets Simon is he changes his name. He gives him a nickname. Now, I am not a man, which hopefully is obvious, Um, but one thing that I've learned about men is that they love nicknames. Guys are all about nicknames. So if a guy, like, gives another guy a nickname, that means you're in. I mean, you have this, like, rite of passage if you've gotten a nickname from another guy. So we used to have this youth pastor at the jar named Derek, and he moved to Colorado a while back. Um, But one of the things that Derek loved to do was give Uh, nicknames to all the guys in the youth group. So all the guys that came, you always had a nickname for them. Well, I remember there was this one kid, this middle school kid, uh, that came to youth group one time, and when he met Derek, for some reason he was telling him this story about how much he hated meatloaf. And so Derek was like, 
I'm going to call you Meatloaf. And for like four years, this nickname of Meatloaf stuck with this kid. I think I knew him for like a year and a half before I realized his name wasn't actually Meatloaf. And now he's like a senior in high school. And every time I see him, I'm like, don't call him Meatloaf. He has a real name. It's not Meatloaf. Say his real name. But guys, they just love to give each other nicknames. So why does Jesus give Simon the nickname of Peter? Well, Peter in the Greek meant the rock. That's right. Long before Dwayne Johnson was ever born, there was the original rock, and it was Peter. And we find out a little bit later in Peter's life why Jesus chose to give him the name the rock, Peter. So later on, we hear this story about Jesus is sitting with his disciples all together, and he's just talking with them, and he's like, guys, okay, who do you guys think I am? And, you know, one of them was like, oh, I think you're a prophet, and you're a teacher, and you're this or whatever. And Peter says, right away, spoke up. You're the son of God. You're the Messiah, just with all the faith in the world. And Jesus said to him, well-spoken, Peter. You are going to be the rock on which I build my church. And not really too long after that, um, we read that Jesus died and rose again and went to heaven. And Peter became the founding member of that very first church of Jesus that grew to be millions of people to this day. Now, Jesus could have met Simon for the first time. And he could have looked at him and been like, can we do better than this guy? I mean, he's like a smelly fisherman with a sailor's mouth. And he doesn't know the Bible as well as some of these other teachers. And he doesn't really have any experience, you know, being a disciple. Can't we find somebody like with a better reputation? There's got to be somebody that's a little bit better than this guy. But no, Jesus saw past all of that. He saw Peter's potential. He saw that he would be the rock on which he would build his church. And from day one, he spoke that potential into Peter. And, you know, Peter did some kind of stupid things along the way, to be honest. I mean, there was one time that he he made Jesus so mad that he called him Satan. That was a bad day. Um, There was another time where uh, Jesus was like at his lowest point in his life, and Peter completely abandoned him. But through all of that, Jesus continued to see this unpolished gem inside of him. He continued to see what Peter could be. And, you know, sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, can you really use me, God? I mean, like, what do I have to offer? But I remember years ago, I was praying with this woman that I knew. And she was like, Emily, she said, one day you're going to be up on a stage and you're going to be teaching this big group of people all about Jesus And I was like, oh, that's nice. But in my head, I'm like, this lady's out of her mind. (laughs) Because I was like the quietest, shyest kid. Like, I hated public speaking. I'd much rather um, be behind the scenes. You know, that's just not my thing at all. But God saw something in me, and he showed her that, that was more than I could see. He saw the potential that was inside of me. And, you know, maybe you look in the mirror, and you say, you know, I don't think God could ever choose me. I don't think I could ever be a follower of Jesus. I mean, I've never opened the Bible in my life. Or maybe you think, you know, I'm I'm this anxious person and I, I get sick to my stomach every time I even try to talk to people. Or maybe you have like this big personality and everybody says you're like extra and you're really loud. And but whatever that is, Jesus sees past all that and he sees the potential that's in you. And you know, for Peter, for from him to go from just an ordinary fisherman. To the founder of the global church, there was only one word that came between those two things. Yes. 
And there's only one word that stands between you and this incredible destiny that God has for you that would absolutely blow your mind. So Peter uh, was an unlikely pick of Jesus. Another unlikely pick of Jesus was a guy named Matthew. And uh, you can write that down there in your notes. Matthew. And Matthew was like a con man of his day. He was a Jewish tax collector. So these guys, they would collect exorbitant amounts of money from people, the Jewish people, and they would pocket the extra. And then they would turn in the rest as the tax money. And what's even worse is that they would do this to their own people, to the Jewish people who were already under this oppressive regime and were suffering. Meanwhile, these tax collectors were becoming richer. So needless to say, Matthew was not like the top pick on the list of who people would want to be a rabbi to follow them. All right. But Jesus saw something different in him. And one day... Matthew met Jesus, and his entire life changes. And we read this in chapter 9 of Matthew's book. It says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and he followed him. Matthew said yes to Jesus. Well, later on, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many other tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees, so they were like the religious leaders of the day, when they saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are sinners, or those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. So these Pharisees, these religious leaders of the time, they called Matthew a sinner. They called him scum. Now for a minute, right now, and don't say this out loud, okay, but just in your own head, I want you to think of those words, sinner, and scum. And I want you to think about what kind of people come to your mind when you think of those words. What do they look like? What are they doing? Maybe for some of you today, you see yourself when you hear those words. Maybe somebody even said to you, they called you a sinner. Maybe you got turned away from a church because they thought you were a sinner. Or maybe someone called you scum to your face. And if that's true... I want you to listen to Jesus' words today. I have not come to call those who know they are righteous, or those who know they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. And that's everybody, right? That's all of us. Every single one of us sins. Every one of us makes mistakes. We all screw up. But Jesus is looking for people who are willing to say, I can't do this on my own. I am not enough on my own, God. I need your help. So whatever it is that you think is too big of a deal, too big of a sin, too much of a mistake for you to be able to follow Jesus, I want you to know today the cross that Jesus died on is greater than that. He made a way so there doesn't have to be anything between you and him anymore because he made a way that you could follow him. Well, I want to look at just one more unlikely pick that Jesus made, and this is a woman by the name of Mary, and we read about Mary in Luke chapter 8. 
So it says this, soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. So Luke specifically lists three women who were followers that Jesus chose to follow him. Now, that might not seem like a big idea to you, but back then this was pretty radical. Because in Jesus' time, a woman was forbidden to be a rabbi. So for a woman to follow after a rabbi to become like him, it didn't make any sense. But Jesus looked beyond the outward appearance. He looked beyond what society said a woman could do or couldn't do. And when other people said that there was no place for women in this ministry. Jesus made a place for those women in his ministry. And he didn't just pick any women, okay? He chose Mary Magdalene, who the text says had seven demons cast out of her. This was not the woman that sat in the front row of the synagogue and all the women admired, okay? This was not the woman that was hosting the dinner parties and had, like, the perfect children. This is a woman who society would have said was was lost, was um, evil, was rejected, was possessed. And yet this is the woman that Jesus chose specifically to follow him. You know, I remember when I first came on staff here at the JAR, and I remember feeling like I just did not belong here. And it had nothing to do with the way the staff treated me or anybody the church treated me. Everybody was really welcoming and encouraging. But in my own mind, I was like, what am I doing here? I mean, I have a degree in math education. Like, if you guys want to learn about the quadratic formula, I'm really good at that. I can teach you all about it. We can do a whole lesson on it. But I never went to Bible school. I never went to seminary. Like, I don't know what all these other people know. I have zero experience working at a church. And at that time, almost all the the pastors that I knew were men. So, I mean, was I even in the right field doing what I was doing here? And I was just convinced that, like, whoever was on this hiring committee that hired me had just had some bad tacos the night before because somebody had obviously made a big mistake here. Well, that was 10 years ago now. And um, to be honest with you, up until about six months ago, I still had this feeling of, like, am I really the right person for this role? There's got to be somebody, you know, smarter and more talented and just who could do 100 times better than I could ever do. Well, it was around that time that our uh, worship pastor, Caleb, gave a teaching um, where he encouraged all of us to choose a word that would be the theme of next year for us. It would be kind of the focus of our next year. And then he told us to pick a scripture that would go along with that theme. So as I prayed about what would my one word be for um, 2022, the word that God kind of dropped in my heart was chosen. And then the verse that popped out to me that went along with that was uh, by, written by a guy named Paul, who was one of the closest followers of Jesus. And it says this, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And it was in that moment that I realized that it wasn't a hiring team that chose me. It wasn't Pastor Chris that chose me. It wasn't even me that chose me to be in this role. God chose me. And that is our big idea for today. You're going to want to write this down. Our big idea is that God chose you. God chose you. Even before you were born, he loved you. 
and he chose you. Now, maybe when you walked in here today, maybe, you know, everybody was really nice and welcoming and nobody gave you a dirty look, but maybe you walked in here and you thought, I just don't fit here. I'm not supposed to be here. And maybe you even told somebody, you know, if I walk into a church, I mean, the roof is going to crash in on my head, right? Well, the roof is still standing, but maybe there's still this voice in your head that's saying, you don't belong here. Maybe that voice says, you know, you don't belong here because you don't have enough money. Or you don't belong here because you have too much money. Or you don't belong here because you got divorced, or you had an affair, or your kids don't live with you, or you don't belong here because your skin is the wrong color, or because English is your second language, or you don't belong here because of that thing that you did last night, or 10 years ago, or 25 years ago. You don't fit here. You are not like these people. You will never measure up to them. And whatever voice that you're hearing right now, I want you to know that is not the voice of God. And what God would say to you is the same thing that he said to his disciples in John 15, 16. He said, you didn't choose me. Remember, I chose you. And I put you in the world to bear fruit that won't spoil. A few months ago, um, I was invited to a women's retreat in Michigan, and this was one of those like buy-invite-only kind of deals, but my mom knew the director, so I was able to get in. And when I got to this retreat and uh, everybody started sitting down and sort of introducing themselves to each other, I suddenly felt like I am way out of my league. I mean, I was surrounded by these powerful women. There were senators and mayors and CEOs, and this one lady was like the world commissioner of the Salvation Army, and there was an Olympic gold medalist and all these like powerful women. And I just kept thinking, I I am not supposed to be here. This is not where I should be. And in that moment, God reminded me of my word for the year, chosen. Emily, you are chosen to be here. Well, at the end of the first night of this uh, retreat, as part of one of the activities, I had to walk up to a full-length mirror, and I had to enthusiastically say into this full-length mirror, Emily, you are chosen to be a leader. Now, could God have been any more clear? (laughs) I am chosen. No matter what anybody says, no matter what I think, I am chosen, and you are chosen too. Now, at this women's retreat, at the very end, uh, the director got up to speak, and she said, we have a saying at this retreat, and it's this. You are here. Because God whispered in someone's ear to invite you. And I want to say the same thing to everybody that's here or watching on the stream. You are here or you are watching because God whispered in someone's ear to invite you. It's not a mistake that you are here. It's not an accident that you are here. God wanted you to be here and he chose you. So I want to challenge you uh, to do something today in your program There is a sentence, and it says, God would never choose me because I blank. And I want you to think about what is that lie that you believe in about why God would never choose you. And I want you to write that down. For me, I wrote down on mine, God would never choose me because I'm an introvert. 
And whatever it is for you, I'm going to give you just a minute right now to write that down um, in your program or uh, on the app about why God would never choose you. Now, in your program, there is a post-it that's supposed to be in there. Um, If you didn't get one of these, just raise your hand, and uh, we can get, an usher can get one to you. But on this post-it note, I want you to write the truth. I am chosen. I want you to write that on this post-it note, and then I want you to take this, and I want you to put it somewhere where you're going to see it every day on your your steering wheel, your refrigerator, and put it on your mirror, somewhere where every day you can get a daily reminder that God has chosen you. Now, if you're at home on the stream, just go get a post-it or a piece of paper, and you can do that at home as well. Now, for some of you, that might not be enough. Some of you need to hear this out loud. I know for me, about a month after that retreat that I went to, I had to have my husband look me in the face and say, Emily, you are chosen to be a leader. And so I'm going to invite you guys, if you need that extra boost, to do something a little bit risky today. In just a few minutes, some prayer team members are going to come up here. They're going to come up to the stage and up in the balcony. And I want to invite you to come up to one of those prayer team members and to share with them the lie that you wrote down about why God would never choose you. Maybe you wrote that God would never choose you because of your past or God would never choose you because you're not smart enough or whatever it might be, I'm going to invite you to come up. And if you need to take your program with you and show it to them or read it to them, whatever you need to do to come up and share that with that prayer team member. And then what they're going to do in response is they're going to say to you, God has chosen you. And they're going to say a prayer with you. So in just a few minutes, I'm going to invite you to do that. If you're on the stream, you can just type in your lie to your chat room host and they can encourage you that way. Um, But I just invite you that are here to be able to come up and pray with one of those prayer team members. Well, if you would, just bow your heads with me and let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you have chosen every single one of us, even before we were born. I pray that you would remind each person that's within the sound of my voice that they are chosen. And I pray that you would silence every lie that would tell them that they are not. Remind them that they are loved and that they are chosen and that you are with them and that you are for them. Now, maybe some of you, you're sitting here and you have never chosen God because maybe you think that he wouldn't want you. Or maybe you chose him a long time ago, but you've sort of drifted away from him. And if that's you today, I want you to know that he still chooses you. Every single day, God chooses you. And if you want to choose him back today, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And uh, this is my prayer, but these aren't magic words or anything. This is just me talking to God. But if you want to agree with me and join, this can be your prayer as well. So I'm going to ask everyone if you would just repeat after me so that nobody has to pray alone. And let's just repeat this prayer to God. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again 
so I could live with you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for choosing me. Today, I choose you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.